0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. So this morning, we're getting right into it. Um, Mark chapter 1, we're actually finishing the chapter. So why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45 is our text this morning. So Mark 1, 40 through 45, and uh, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. As always, if you need a Bible or you just want uh, one in New Living Translation, there's uh, tables kind of right by the doors. You can just grab one on the way in, put it back, uh, or take it with you home if you just want to have one. uh, Read it through during the week. But um, title of the message this morning is Loving the Unlovable, and we'll look in depth of seeing Christ do that this morning, but read with me. Mark 1, 40 through 45 says this. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him saying, I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed with leprosy. This, is, this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anymore. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we thank you once again for the ability to have your word in our hands, and we can freely read it and study it and preach it this morning. We thank you for that freedom. We thank you for the ability to do so. And God, we pray that you would come with your power and your might and that you would give us understanding this morning into your word, what it means, what it means for us, and so, Lord, would you open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to it? We, we just admit that for many of us, we may be coming into this room just distracted or just heavy, like the, the, the week is weighing upon us or our week was really busy and we're coming to church to come to church, but our heads are just kind of elsewhere. And so we just ask, Lord, that you, would, that you would free us from distractions this morning, that you would uh, allow us to hear from you. We want to hear from the God of the universe this morning. And we ask, Lord, that your word, by the power of your spirit, would transform our lives. That we would be a changed people as we walk out these doors. That we would hear your truths and your promises. And that you'd continue to make us more like you. We want to be, as Christians, little Christ. We want to we emulate all that you do, Christ, as the great example that we look to as to how we are to live and why we are to live in, what, in such a way, we look to you this morning. We ask that you would have your way with us. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So to remind us uh, quickly of the book of Mark, Mark is writing really quickly and uh, in fast-paced. And he gives us little snippets into the life of Jesus. If you were to title the, the entire book of Mark, you could just call it simply the story of Jesus, right? It highlights who he was and what he did, and it's all these, these, these bite-sized chunks of pretty significant, miraculous things that he does. And so this morning, we see a very significant situation, and we're going to look in depth to that, of Jesus healing the leper. Look with, look with me, verse 40. It goes right into it. A man with leprosy came and, knelt and came and knelt in front of Jesus, and he begged Jesus to be healed. And he said to Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. This is, this is the stage that's set here. This, this man with leprosy, in the midst of Jesus' preaching and going town to town, he comes and he kneels in front of Jesus, and he begs Jesus to heal him. This is why it's significant. If you know anything about leprosy, specifically in the ancient Jewish culture, you would know this is a really big deal. But if you know anything about leprosy, the fact that we'll read in a second that Jesus touches this man and then heals him is an even bigger deal. So just to catch us up, leprosy was one of the most horrific diseases of the ancient world. You know, today it might not be as apparent. There's some um, modern medicine and cures, and there's things that you can do now if you contract leprosy. But in Bible times, in Bible lands, it was far more common. It's a disease that was completely incurable. It wasn't just like a skin infection that made you look a certain way, but it was a radical disease that affected the entirety of who you were. Not only the skin, but the blood, the flesh, the bones, everything. Literally, it's a deterioration of your nerves and your respiratory tract, your skin, your eyes. And one of the most significant things that happens is you begin to lose sensation of pain. So many times, lepers would become disfigured because they would either be burnt or hurt and they wouldn't know it. And they began to literally lose extremities. Lose fingers, lose arms, because they did not, they weren't aware of their own body. They did not sense pain. They didn't have the ability to feel pain. Uh, over, over the course of repeated injuries and infection, uh, unnoticed wounds, there was weakness and poor eyesight. I mean, it, it goes on. It affected the entirety of your body. Leprosy was a, is a very horrific physical disease. And if that wasn't already enough... If the physical suffering wasn't already enough, the worst part of having leprosy might have been the way that people treated you. It wasn't so much that you yourself were dying Within, in an uncurable disease, but in the Old Testament, God actually set forth uh, your rules of how to deal with leprosy, how to actually contain it, how to quarantine those that had it. We see this in Leviticus 13 and 14. You can read that as extra credit homework this week. But there's there's law and structure, and and there's 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 ways in which you're supposed to deal with them, how they can live, how they can't. If they are healed, how they go to the priest and how the priest examines them. I mean, there's chapters about how to deal with lepers. One significant was that lepers had to dress like people who were mourning for the dead. I mean, literally, their clothes had to be different from everyone else. So they knew that you were coming. You were that much of a threat to everyone else because leprosy was highly contagious you had to wear different clothes that signified that you were walking dead. Not only that, people would cry out to you, unclean, unclean, if they saw a leper walking towards you. Besides that, even amongst Jews, um, the, the, the leper was recognized unclean, but he was also cut off really from the congregation of Israel. And the ordinances of religion, you know, he had to live in a separate house. No one was allowed to touch him, to be with him, to have community with him. I mean, leprosy was the most isolating thing that could happen to you. You had to stay hundreds of feet away from every, every other human being for risk of infecting them. The people in Jesus' day went further than what the Old Testament would require. And unfortunately, you had to stay meters away from the leper. And this historian named Josephus, he said, in, in, in a lot of ways, there was no difference from a leper and a corpse. You were, you, were, you were a walking dead man. You were isolated from all of society. You were alone without hope. There was no cure And it's not like you could even die with your loved ones. Your loved ones couldn't be near you. I mean, this was the worst thing that could happen to you. A leper, if you had leprosy, you were an outcast of society. You were judged unclean, and people were literally deeming you as cursed by God. To be a leper was a horrible life. And, you know, this may be, like, archaic or odd to us because, wait, leprosy isn't really a thing anymore. But as you guys know, like, in Hawaii, it actually was a thing until the 60s. Like, on Molokai, it was one of the biggest leper colonies uh, that existed for more than 100 years. More than 8,000 lepers were quarantined there by, by Hawaii. You guys know Father Damien, you know, one of the famous Catholic priests that went out there and gave his life to it. He actually served there for about 20 years, contracted the disease himself, and died serving the people there. I mean, that's just, you know, an island over. I mean, yes, it's archaic now, but this was a real thing even, you know, 60 years ago in Hawaii. There was a a leper colony. If you guys have ever been to Malachi, you can still look. It's isolated. It's down a cliff. There's only a mule trail to get to it even still. But leprosy, even in, t- t- you know, modern times and modern medicine, you, you were isolated from society just waiting to die. That was, that was your hope. Your hope was just death. I mean, you know, or, or finally there was colonies of lepers that you could have some sense of community with. But despite all this, despite the physical and cultural and religious significances, what did Jesus do? I mean, knowing that, right, knowing if you were, if you were in the crowd and Jesus was ministering in the cities and a leper comes, right, what were you supposed to do? Yell unclean, unclean, and kind of run. If they weren't going to go, you were going to go in fear of contracting the disease yourself. This leper comes between, you know, it's, it's an earshot of Jesus kneels before him and begs that he would be healed. In our text this morning in verse 41, look what Jesus does. He says, moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. And he said, I am willing. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. See, in that day, no one had been cured of leprosy. Leprosy wasn't a curable disease. And so everyone knew it was only God that could cure a leper. No human, there was no human medicine. No, no human could uh, do anything for the leper. In that day, everyone knew that God could, that God was the only one that could heal a leper. There was no cure. No one got better. And what Jesus does is in a moment, knowing all of that, he heals this man. And I mean, look, think of the significance of Jesus touching him. I mean, Mark doesn't allude to it. But if you were in the crowd, what would you be yelling? Don't touch him. Like, don't touch him. What are you doing, Jesus? But instead, out of compassion, Jesus reaches down and touches this man. And it says, instantly, this man is cured of leprosy. I mean, just think. I know I'm speculating a bit. But this man, because of the loss of sensation, he might not have even necessarily been able to feel touch. He's never felt touch, right? No one's ever touched him. But for the first time, Jesus reaches down. This man is healed instantly, and he feels the hand of God upon him. And this man is instantly healed of this disease that has made him an outcast. For that leper, who knows how long it had been since he just felt a loving touch, a touch in any way. I mean, this was probably the closest this leper had been to other people in a long time. But this leper had been hearing about this man, Jesus, that was going through the land of Israel in the region of Galilee. And he was healing every kind of sickness and disease. And so this leper in faith comes to him, kneels down and said, Christ, Jesus, if you're willing, heal me. And Jesus, out of compassion, reaches down and heals him. And if it wasn't obvious already, the big thrust of our narrative this morning is that Jesus touches the untouchable or loves the unlovable. I mean, again, leprosy was the definition of outcast. Right? If they had Webster's Dictionary back then and it had outcast, it'd be a picture of a leper. I mean, that, that's what it meant. In our text this morning should show us two things. It should show us that we should have that type of compassion for the outcasts in our own society, but also it should remind us that we too were once far off from God, but Christ Jesus has brought us near again. Maybe not in the same way, but we should be reminded of two things that, man, we were once far off from God and Christ Jesus saved us and he brought us near to the Father. But then also, as disciples, we should should emulate, we should practice, we should do what Christ did. Right? So we should have the compassion that Jesus had in the same way that he had for the leper. Because that's what a disciple does. A few weeks ago, we talked in depth of what a disciple is and what he does. A disciple is an apprentice to a master. You know, a lot of times we think of as an apprentice, as one that's like a woodworker or electrician or or a tradesman that learns from someone that's really good at it. And you watch their every move and you learn their tricks. And it's someone that's older and you you learn, you apprentice what they do. In the same way as disciples, as believers, we're to do that with Christ. And so when Christ has compassion on an outcast of society, we are to have compassion to the outcast of our society right, our hearts are to be continually changed into the heart of God. Like we're to become like Jesus. That's why if you've ever heard the phrase, like we're, we're, we're made in the image of God or we're image bearers, that we by design are to bear the image of God in our lives. I know that's like, that's like such a crazy concept, but like when we are saved, when we're redeemed, No longer are we called sinners, we're called saints because of the work on the cross, not because of what we did. But as disciples, we're to emulate and we're to practice and we're to strive to be like Jesus. And today, we're to look at the compassion that Christ had and to emulate and to pray for and to try to ask God to change our hearts so that we too can be compassionate in the same way. But it goes further than that. It could have just said Jesus had compassion and he like felt bad for the guy, but didn't do anything about it. Like it would have been enough that Jesus even talked to the guy because no one talked to lepers. Like that could have been the lesson this morning. That could have been the story. Oh, that's cool. Like Jesus felt bad for him had empathy. But he, he, it's more than that. Jesus had compassion, but he met it with action, right? Jesus reached out and touched this leper and healed this leper. He did something about this, this man's pain, this man's situation. He brought this man near to him. He was moved to heal and help this man. And it caused Jesus' hands to get dirty. I mean, he, he jumped in, I mean, if there's ever a time where you could say, get your hands dirty phrase, it's right here. Because if he didn't have the power over leprosy in that time, there's a good chance that Jesus would have contracted leprosy. I mean, that, that was the significance. Like, there's no other, you know, way to get your hands dirty other than this. But I think with the lesson we can see from this is that as believers, as Christians, we're to do things that no one else wants to do. And that's, and that's, the, that's the history of the church, I mean, think of hospitals. Think of cemeteries. Think of like the plague in Europe. Who buried all the bodies? Christians. They weren't fearful of death. Like who started hospitals to care for the sick? Christians. The church. Because in the past, believers and disciples of Christ have cared for people that the world would want to look a blind eye to. And sadly, I was just... uh, hearing from a guy, used to be a pastor and now working in the school system, even in the the Hawaii school system. And he said so many of those programs that have been around forever that are really to care for the troubled, hurt, broken families that are involved with schools are actually losing funding and dissipating. And if there's ever a time the church to rise to the need of what's happening in our town, on our island, it's now. And he was just sharing this with me. But, but by nature, as disciples, we're to do this. Also, looking at church history, God bless the men and women that have heeded the call, that have done things to the outcasts of society that no one else would. But as we look through the Gospels, this is what Jesus did. This wasn't a one-time thing. That's what he does. He dines with sinners. He takes in the prostitutes and has a meal with them. He cares for the drunkards. He cares for the tax collectors. All these people in society that ridiculed Jesus for that. Why are you having dinner with them? Why are you dining with them? It's because I love them. That's why he did it, right? He cared for those that society hated. And so what, what does it look like for us as Christians in the church, right? In our culture, in our city, who are the lepers? Uh, I don't think we have anyone as significantly outcast as them in the same way. But man, I mean, it's all around us is homelessness, right? That's all around us. And it, it may be, being, it might be in a different way, but homelessness in Honolulu is rampant. I think one of, one of the top per capita homeless of the, of the nation, and so much of society, even law enforcement, even social services, just doesn't know what to do them, and so kind of just, like, allows them to be certain places, and kind of maybe moves them when they're being a hindrance to that place. That's what we do. Back in California, I was talking to um, some people I knew, and I don't know how recently it was, but in Southern California... Uh, they used to actually, the city, I think this was a secret thing, obviously you don't talk about it, um, would load up the homeless of their city, bust them to the neighboring city, let them out just so that that city could deal with it. Push aside, change, as long as it's not our problem, it's not our problem. And I know that there's a lot of churches and a lot of um, other organizations that are involved in this, but I would have to say that in many ways, I mean, there's other groups of people, but the homeless of Honolulu may be our modern day lepers. Because if we're honest with our own selves, we're like, I don't know how to engage. I don't want to engage. How do I help them? What do I do? Is it safe? Like we have all those questions ourselves, why we aren't doing it. Oh, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm not called to it. Like there's all these reasons that we give and I give the same reasons. So I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming us, maybe. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making it aware that there's this person, there's this outcast in society, and Jesus stops, and he does something about it. And so the challenge, maybe even the prayer for us as Reality Honolulu, as we are this newly created community by God, a part of a greater, larger church in the city. But what would God have us do Right, because we're just trying to build community now, and we're gathering on Sundays, we're doing beach barbecues, and we're, you know, teaching the word and worshiping, and we're we're being a community. But a church isn't supposed to just, like, be together here. Yes, we're to be with Jesus. Yes, we're to worship the Lord, but we're also to serve the Lord. We're also to meet pressing needs. We're to be used by God in the world for his glory. And I'm not saying that that means, like, we got to do homeless ministry as a church. we got to do this big thing right now. I'm like, but we should be praying about it. We should be thinking about it. We should all individually be more aware of those around us rather than just passing by. And I believe that that, that is absolutely one thing we should get from the text today is, God, search my heart. Make me more like you, right? Give me your heart for those that are the outcasts of society. But we need to pray, obviously, right? Like, God, give me your heart, give me your strength, give me your wisdom. How can I, with my resources and my time, like, love these people in the way you would? We need to pray. We need to ask God how we are to be involved. But I think as the church, we should not just turn a blind eye. We should not just turn a blind eye and say, hey, that's there, and I'm here, and I'm good, so I'm good. But as believers, we're to look at Christ's example and implement that. And also, what we can get from this text is that in a lot of ways, we can identify with this leper ourselves. That once we were far off from Christ, but he has brought us near. And it might not be, obviously, in the same physical sense, right? None of us had leprosy. I'm pretty sure of that. And Jesus didn't obviously touch you and heal you, probably. Um, But it's in the spiritual sense. See, leprosy in Scripture is always a graphic illustration of sin's destructive power. Right? In ancient Israel, leprosy was a powerful object lesson of the debilitating influence of sin on a person's life. One commentator said it this way. He said, There's a foul soul disease which is ingrained in our very nature and clings to our bones and marrow with deadly force. That disease is the plague of sin. And he's comparing it to leprosy now. He says, like leprosy, it is a deep-seated disease infecting every part of our human nature. Heart, will, conscience, understanding, memory, and affections. Like leprosy, it makes us loathsome and Uh, abominable, unfit for the company of God and for the glory of heaven. Like leprosy, it is incurable by any earthly physician and worst of all, far worse than leprosy, it is a disease from which no mortal is exempt. All of us have become in God's sight like one who is unclean, Isaiah 64, 6. We see leprosy as an illustration to sin in all of our lives. That all of humanity is far from God and all of us are in need of a savior. But like leprosy, our sin can only be healed and taken away by God. We cannot on our own strength and our own volition become righteous, right? Be free of sin, be forgiven our sin. We can't muster up the amount of good works that equals heaven. Only God can take away our sin, just like only God could heal the leper. If you have not read the book of Ephesians lately, you should, it's really, really good. If you're looking for a Bible, you know, to, you know it's know, book in the Bible to read for your devotion. I'm gonna read you most of Ephesians chapter two right now, so you can turn with me if you'd like, if you're that kind of person, if you wanna read. I have it on the screen also, just to let you know. But Ephesians two describes our state prior to knowing Jesus, and what happens when we come to the knowledge of Christ and what he frees us from in relation to this idea of sin in our lives. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 in verse 13 says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. That was all of us, right? He is the spirit at work in our hearts to those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, right? We did whatever we wanted to do. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger like everyone else. But look at verse 4. In all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things you've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. In verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once we were far away from God, but we've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. In the same way that that leper was far off from God, Jesus Christ has brought him near now. We too, were all far off, but Christ has brought us near. We're all in need of that. If, if we haven't come to the knowledge of Christ, then I'm talking to you. If you have, it's a reminder, a vivid reminder that it was Christ and Christ alone that saved you from your sin and now you can stand in the presence of God. Only His touch could heal us and make us well. Read the last few verses and then I'll kind of finish up. But going back to our text in Mark chapter 1, verse 33 through 45, Jesus then says this. He says, then Jesus sent this man, this healed leper on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this, which is just so weird to say, but he says that. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man, of course, didn't do that. He went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So Jesus tells this leper not to tell anyone. You would think, man, this this leper gets healed miraculously. You'd want everyone to know, but it honestly just became a logistical issue became crowd control. Like this guy was leaping up and down, yelling pretty much, I'm healed, I'm healed. I mean, everybody knows him as the town leper probably, so I don't blame the guy. He's running around, actually can be with people. He's probably hugging people, like talking with people. Like I don't, I've never been around people for years. But he's doing this, and so much so that word continues to spread, and there's so many people that are coming to Jesus that Jesus can't even enter cities anymore. He can't even enter that. But instead, what he does is he says, don't tell anyone. And he tells them, and then for a couple of we- you know, verses later, it says, why? But he says, go to the priest and have him examine you. And if you look back to Leviticus 13 and 14, there was a whole protocol of what was to happen if you thought you were healed of leprosy. Obviously, because you don't want like a false positive or whatever. Like, hey, are you really healed? I don't know. You can't go back into society until you're really healed. And so there's a whole protocol that must happen with the priest. You must go and he must examine you, see if there's, see how your body's looking, wait seven days, come back, see how you're doing. I mean, this is like a medical procedure done by the, the priest. But what Jesus says here, go do that to fulfill the law, but Because no one has been healed of leprosy, you're going to be the first one. It's going to be a public testimony that God alone healed you. And so Jesus is fulfilling the law there, but he's also testifying of the divine nature of who he was. And so since lepers weren't healed, these priests had never conducted the ceremony before. They had to go look to the Old Testament, even how to do it. But the the, the reason was that it would be a strong witness that Jesus was the Messiah, that God alone was the one who could heal this. And our text this morning is a dramatic and powerful narrative portraying the heart of God towards humanity. And in light of that, what we can leave with, like the charge or the thing or, you know, the thing we can hold on to, I think we should, is that we are to be a people and a church that have the compassion of God for broken humanity, but also that we're moved to action like Christ was, right? We, 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 compassion is coupled with action. But in, instead of just like, hey, let's just go run out and do it, we need to have the, the reminder or the foundation that we once were all f- far off ourself. And we need to remember the redemption of Christ in our own brokenness and how God healed us in order to truly love others. You know, 1 John 4.19 would say this, we love because Christ first loved us. Like the motivation for loving other peoples should be first knowing personally the love of Christ for ourselves, amen? Let's be a church and a people that are about God's business, amen? Amen, let me pray. God, we thank you for your heart for us. Thank you for the Father's heart that has great compassion on a people that are far off from you. And God, we're reminded this morning that while we were yet sinners, Christ, you died for us. Like while we were far off in rebellion, you sent your son to die in our place so that we didn't have to. But God, it doesn't end there. You're making us more, more like you and so we pray that, that we, as Reality Honolulu, would be a church that demonstrates the love of Jesus to one another and those that are around us. Your word said that your disciples would be known for their love for one another. And so God, would you stretch us to love those that society does not? whether that is the homeless or whether that is just people in our lives that are just outcasts and hurting and in need of Jesus. We pray that you would give us boldness and courage and strength by the power of your Holy Spirit. We know from last week that apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we need you, Jesus, to be a people that have your compassion and that die to ourself and meet the needs of those around us. And so God, would you do that in us? We pray, Lord, that you do this in Jesus' name. Amen.